Welcome to Street Knowledge with Chris Graham. Welcome to the podcast. I am Chris Graham. It's Monday. We talk NASCAR on Mondays with Rod Mullins and Tyler Reddick. He is the road warrior on the NASCAR circuit right now. Second road race win in the past five weeks. Uh, this time at Indy on the road course at Indy and had to go to overtime to uh, to get the win. And um, uh, take us into it, Rod. Uh, big, another big win for Tyler. What a month it's been for Tyler Reddick. Yeah, what a month it's been. I mean, it's been a series of ups, down, where you've hit the bottom of the of the valley, or as we say back in this part, the holler, and then back up to the top of the mountain again. Uh, you know, it's just unreal because, you know, he won that race at Road America, and he won that race, and then turns around, you know, Finally, the word comes out, he's not going to be at Richard Childress Racing after 2023. And the announcement caught Richard Childress uh, off guard. And then he turns around, and by that time, they've got him signed with 2311 Motorsports. That's Denny Hamlin and Michael Jordan's race team. And um, then he turns around, instead of being a lame duck driver for at least the rest of this season and also 2023, he just goes out and smokes the field, just goes out there and does what he has to do to win, which... I give him credit for that. At least he's proving he's not going to be a lame duck driver. But I'm telling you, yesterday the jockeying for position, the the slamming, the the rubbing, the you know, all this stuff. I mean, it was outrageous yesterday. I I thought I'd seen everything when it came to a road course, but this um, you're starting to feel the pressure. If you're one of these drivers like Martin Truex, Ryan Blaney, Kevin Harvick. You're one of these that's feeling the pressure right now, and you're wanting to get into that uh, that final 16, and you've got to have a win or two wins, as I've been uh, calling for here uh, before the season, the regular season ends. Um, you're going to have to have some wins because it's it's crazy. It was crazy out there on Sunday. Yeah, well, Reddick uh, had a, had a big lead. He, he he seemed like he was in control uh, down the stretch. Then they had a couple cautions at the end. Had, had that's why we had the uh, the overtime. And then overtime got interesting with um, the uh, the the access road playing a role. Yeah, well, we've got to go back too, and we've got to talk about Chase Elliott. Oh, yeah. uh, Chase Elliott had got there and had closed the gap thanks to one of those cautions, and he was actually putting some pressure on Tyler Reddick, and they thought it was going to actually be a two race or two car race between Elliott and also with Reddick, and then the wild card out of the whole bunch was AJ Allmendinger, who had come from behind. He was running as I think as high up as fourth, I think at one point, and then the turn one debacle. And that's when Ryan Blaney, uh, gosh, Ryan Blaney, William Byron, uh, a bunch of them, uh, they just go in together three or four wide as they're going into that turn. And you're not going to win on that turn one there at Indy and come out, you know, any better. And sure enough, when that happened, oh, my gosh, uh, here went Elliot. Elliot went spinning out of control. He ends up hitting his teammate, William Byron. Uh, he's tagged by his best friend, Ryan Blaney. Uh, I'm telling you, there was uh, there was a lot of uh, sheet metal. You want to call it that? A lot of sheet metal and a lot of things on the track. And you know, there were some emotions left out on that track yesterday. It was it was rough. And then Tyler Reddick uh, comes back here at an overtime, and Ross Chastain comes out of nowhere. He shoots through there at turn one, doesn't make the turn. He just goes straight, and then he goes on an access road, which you can't blame him for trying. I mean, he's trying to. I thought, okay. He's going to go and he's going to 
kind of mesh and meld with the, with the cars. And, you know, he's probably thinking nobody's going to catch him as he does that. That's the first thing that hit my mind. And then, um, uh, I think more than anything else, Tyler Reddick summed it up best. He said, I'm glad NASCAR caught him or I'm glad NASCAR issued him the penalty because if he had been running there toward the very end and caused us to lose this race, I'd be a very pissed off driver right now is what I would be. And you've got to give him credit. I mean, uh, Tyler Reddick knew that Ross Chastain would race for the win if he could, but you know, I knew when he took that access road, he was going to be penalized for it. Much the same as like what it was with uh, the Chase Briscoe, Denny Hamlin sort of thing that happened last year of going off the course into the grass and then coming back up on the course and stuff when you've been black flagged. Uh, that's pretty much what I thought was going to happen. But then Reddit crosses the finish line and uh, it's history at Indian- Indianapolis. Man, Chastain, I was so thrown off by that. I'm sure you know everybody was, but looked like he was just running a drag race instead of he was he just kept going straight when everybody else yep. turned and um you know it didn't register with me right away that he's the guy who came back in and was dueling for the quote unquote lead he ends up yep. being penalized and finishing 27th also some news what you mentioned AJ Allmendinger um poor guy his cooling system wasn't working he had no. to, I mean basically be like carried out of his car when he when, when the race yep. was over yeah, he was he was in pretty bad shape. Uh, his cool shirt that they had, uh, keeping him cool, recirculating cold air or cold water through the shirt, it wasn't uh, it wasn't working. Uh, it quit. Uh, then right before the end of the race, I think during one of the pits, uh, one of the pit stops or something, he ran out of water. Here he is still out on the track, and he's wanting water, can't get any water, and there's something like six or seven laps left to go, and he races like a trooper to get through and finish the rest of the race. And then when he gets out, that's the first thing he's has to be helped out of the car and he's there. And I'm sure they had to plug him in, in the infield care center, plug him into some fluids and things like that, because he was in pretty bad shape at the end of that race. So uh, you mentioned some the guys uh, who um, are outside looking in still, as far as uh, the playoffs are concerned, boy, among those, I mean, I'm looking at the, the official NASCAR standings on NASCAR.com. The cutoff right now starts with Kevin Harvick. Yep. Uh, he's, he would be outside looking in right now at 17. Eric Almarola, Eric Jones, Bubba Wallace, Austin Dillon, Justin Haley, Chris Boucher, at, uh, and Ricky Stenhouse Jr., mm-hmm. uh, 17 through 24 right now. Um, right. So, um, yeah, uh, you know, Wallace was in the top 10 a lot yesterday. Um, how about the other guys? Who else in that group were, were you know, contending for top spots. Well, at one point or another, it was, uh, uh, Kyle Larson was in there. He was contending. He'd come back up through the field. And then the wild wreck that happened between him and Ty Dillon, uh, with Kyle Larson just looked like he had no brakes, uh, going like a, a cannonball shot out of a cannon. He hits Ty Dillon and fortunately both drivers are okay. But, uh, Kyle Larson just wasn't a factor in this race, but Bubba Wallace, uh, surprised me. He was kind of spun around early in the race and he managed to get back through and get through the field and finish fifth. So he came up with a, you know, a great moral victory, I think right there, especially at Indianapolis coming away with that win. But, uh, you know, still your disappointments out of this Ryan Blaney, uh, there at the, almost to the very end and he gets knocked out of it. William Byron, he's had bad luck here as of late. He gets knocked out of it toward the end of it. Uh, of course we said Al, uh, Eric Almarola. Uh, there's talk now he may be possibly rethinking uh, retirement. I don't know if he's going to retire or not, but he will not be coming back to uh, Stuart Haas. But 
any any guess right now at this point is it's anybody's guess. But uh, that's just some of the drivers. I mean, I couldn't keep up with all the wrecks yesterday. I couldn't keep up with everybody just sliding all over the track. Austin Sindrick uh, was in the top five. Yep. Uh, he's fifteenth right now in the projected uh, playoff mm-hmm. standing. So uh, that was a big that was a big one for him. Um, so uh, you, you know, now that we're through this this portion of the schedule, I, I guess I, I, I guess we're through with the road race portion of the schedule for now, at least until the playoffs. Um, what what do we look for the next few weeks? I mean, we, we come to the end of August. We're, we start August today. The end of August is when the playoff field is set. Yeah, and, you know, these guys still have a couple of road courses they're going to have to race, and I think one of them is going to have to be, or two of them I do know, Daytona and Watkins Glen. They're going to have to race those, and I'm not sure those are in the playoff picture exactly right now or the regular season, but I think Daytona may be in uh, at least at the end of August or first part of September. I'm not quite sure on that, but um, it's, (laughs) uh, it's do or die time for some of these teams. Yeah, you're right. Watkins Glen and Daytona actually closes out of the playoff part. Okay. Uh, uh, the series goes to Michigan this weekend, Richmond, uh, the 14th next weekend. And then, yeah, finishing up with Watkins Glen and Daytona. So, uh, so yeah, um, uh, interesting, interesting, uh, scheduling down the stretch to, you know, to, to put those different tests in, mm-hmm. um, you know, not just making left turns all day, but throwing some different, uh, you know, kind of curveballs at the guys, uh, to see how, uh, they can, compete for that playoffs those those playoff spots yeah well one thing and i did mention it earlier i'd kind of kept quiet about it i posted it on facebook but i'm one of these people now that i'm a little bit more convinced that uh penske nascar they need to go back to indy and race the oval they need to race the regular you know course of the indianapolis 500 the brickyard 400 and they need to treat this in a little bit more of a prestigious way than they've treated it here over the last few years. Um, you know, when I remember when I went to that first Brickyard race, uh, Kim and I went to that first race, and I couldn't get over some of the Indy cars, uh, some of the stars out of IndyCar had came in to race. Danny Sullivan was one. Little Al Unser Jr. was another one. Uh, there was probably a couple more out of that bunch. But, you know, um, it didn't fare well. didn't fare well for Danny Sullivan or for Little Al during that uh, outing. And a lot of people said, well, the IndyCar drivers, they can't make it in a stock car. Well, I think they need to change that a little bit more now. And I think you need to make it available to people like James Hinchcliffe, who was on a, co- a color commentary yesterday on the race and did a fantastic job. He was talking about things uh, about the tires and about the wear of the tires and the brakes and so forth way before Dale Earnhardt Jr. and way before Jeff Burton was even talking about some of this stuff and even surprising Steve Letarte. I'd like to see Hinchcliffe in a, in a stock car and see how he would do. I would also like to see Joseph Newgarden. That's another one. He's from the South, but he has chose to race in the IndyCar League. I don't think they ought to make it an open to let some of these IndyCar drivers get in if they can find sponsorship, do a heat race and see how it goes, and then if they qualify, great. If they don't, then, you know, try again next year out of it. But uh, they need to treat this Brickyard race um, like a crown jewel. Somebody put it that way after the end of the race uh, Sunday, and I agree with it. I think it's a crown jewel. It may not have been on NASCAR's uh, circuit from the from the inception of uh, the National Association of Stock Car Racing, but now it needs to be considered on there because it is a world center of racing. And the man that can do that, and he's got to talk with NASCAR, and NASCAR's got to work with him, is Roger Penske. Yeah, it's like a basketball tournament being held at Madison Square Garden, and you, instead of having full court, you just play three on three. I mean, yeah. you, you got you got the the iconic venue there. 
So heading to Michigan this weekend, Sunday at 3 p.m. on USA Network. Um, give us an idea of what we might be able to expect might we, uh, with the racing this weekend. Gas mileage. Again, we're talking humidity. We're talking uh, racing in Michigan. Um, Michigan's a long stretch of a track. That's one of those uh, famous tracks of where I think it's a two and a half mile track, but it's there in the there in the Irish Hills of Michigan. Uh beautiful setting for that racetrack and it's always a big time for these cars uh, these car owners and also the manufacturers to show up and brag about what kind of car they've got as up until this point chevrolet's been dominant ford has been just non-existent it seems like at this point ford's had some good races but they haven't won any big amount of races like chevrolet has chevrolet is dominated on the road course uh, Toyota has stunk. Uh, there's no other way to say it. That was said by um, crew chief, I think, for Christopher Bell yesterday. He says, you know, we've not done well on a road course. And they had found just what they needed to find yesterday before Christopher Bell got knocked out. Now we'll have to see if Toyota can carry some of that momentum over and see what he can come up with, um, you know, the drivers at least at uh, at Michigan and the bragging rights and where it's going to go from here. But you know, I'm I'm seeing desperation out of some of these drivers. I'm seeing a lot more desperation than I saw last year. Um, I think there's a lot of people in this whole thing that are um, they're making enemies. They're not making friends at this point. But you know, it's like in love and war. You know, what are you going to choose? Yeah. You choose whatever's going to win you the war is what you're going to do, and that's what they're going to choose to do. And, you know, teammates are going to be against teammates. As as, as closer as it gets, there's going to be teammates against teammates, and it's going, to, it's going to shuffle everything around. I think we're still not done yet. With four or five races left to go, the shuffling is, is definitely not over. As we wrap up the podcast, Rod, uh, let's, let's talk some news. Uh, you live in Wise County, Virginia. Um, uh, your, your part of Virginia, uh, experienced a, a, a good bit of flooding, but you're also not far from the devastation in Kentucky. Right. Uh, give our listeners, uh, an idea, maybe an update on how things are going both, you know, in your area, but also not too far from where you are. Well, in my immediate area, we had flooding damage. Uh, we had roads washed out. Uh, we had some, you know, drain pipes that were just totally removed out from underneath uh, culverts and things like that. Um, you know, they had some flooding in, in the town of Wise and uh, in, in the town of Pound. Um, you know, I sent a couple of pictures, I think, to uh, Crystal, and she posted on the AFP site and uh, gave a little bit of a background what was going on. Uh, Thursday was terrible, uh, just water everywhere. We were kind of stranded where we were at, and that was kind of a good thing because if you go off on ro one road, you're stuck by water. If you go off on another road, you're stuck by water. But, um, you know, as it got into the weekend and a little bit more, you started seeing the damage. Uh, I think some of the most heartbreaking things have come out of this, and it's been from over on the Kentucky side of the mountain. And that's been uh, Letcher County, Knott County, Pike County. There's been some places in Pike County that's been affected. Um, you know, overall, eastern Kentucky is really hurting right now, and they're hurting like – um, you know, I've never seen a flood like this before. I mean, I lived through the 77 flood we had down here. It was bad, but I've never seen destruction and the loss of life like we did uh, this time around. And uh, the things that have gotten me was the picture of the older woman. She was 90. She was in her 90s, I believe. She was from Whitesburg. She was sitting on her bed and it was just she was surrounded by water. It was almost like she didn't know what to do. Uh, she knew she had to get out of there, but it was just like, you know, what am I going to do? That was the look on her face. 
And I think the most heartbreaking thing has been uh, that family of four, the four kids that were swept away in the water. And, um, you know, it just makes you want to hold your kids tighter, your grandkids tighter, whatever, because you don't know. I mean, tomorrow they may be gone. And that's exactly what happened with this flood. But, you know, Whitesburg is, is pretty much uh, in really bad shape. The sheriff's department over there has sent out a call for cruisers from localities that can spare some vehicles. Wise County, I think, has spared a couple of explorers uh, for them to be able to use. But uh, I saw some of the pictures of some of their cars. They're gone. I mean, they're just wiped out. They, they're they going to be junked. And uh, I think the other thing that really um, hits uh, down below, I think about, we think that the numbers, there are people down here, even the governor of Kentucky thinks that the numbers could, could reach in the hundreds. And that's what's even more scary about it, because we're talking this is as remote as you can get. Once you cross over, I mean, from where I'm at, it's remote. But when you get over into eastern Kentucky, there are places that you can only access by four-wheel drive. You can only access by, you know, maybe a side-by-side or a a four-wheeler that way. But here's the thing. Some of those roads are washed out so bad, you don't know if you're going to be able to get up there. And then you have this need for uh, people that lost their medicine, people that have lost everything that they've had, food, um, you know, we just got finished here uh, today and we bagged up some things. Uh, Kim and I bagged up some things in order for them to use for clothing, not, you know, to replace anything, but clothes that maybe people can clean with or something or clean in or something like that. They're, they're, you know, can be disposed of and things, but these people are going to be hurting down here for quite a while. And, you know, I'll just put it out to, you know, people, uh, to everyone, you know, in that part of Virginia, especially around Stanton, Waynesboro, Charlottesville on, um, you know, if you haven't gotten involved with this, um, they're neighbors. That's what they are. They're our neighbors. And, you know, um, it really struck me the other night that um, I was surprised that Youngkin did not uh, bring maybe the National Guard into effect to bring them over. It would have been close from Virginia to bring them over and let them work and help out. But the thing that surprised me was Jim Justice, the governor of West Virginia, calling out the West Virginia National Guard, not for flooding in West Virginia, but, hey, we need to help our neighbors in Kentucky. They're in bad shape. That that really stood out with me of what happened. Good point. Yeah, Virginia can do the same uh, if um, if there was the will to do that. Well, thank you for that update, Rod. And no problem. Yeah, we, we definitely encourage people to to, to help out however they can uh, who are listening to this podcast. Well, for Rod Mullins, I'm Chris Cram signing off. Everyone have a great day.